guys, what's up? It's Nate, and it's time for another Bite Sized. So in the past, I think I may have, uh, I want to do something a little different than the the usual sort of uh, hanging out on one topic and talking for 15, 15-ish to 20-ish minutes about it. Um, and I think I've, I've toyed with maybe some a format similar to this in the past. Um, and, and what I'm calling it right now is Blitz. Where the the goal tonight is, I'm going to take. I've got four topics lined up, and I don't want to take more than you know five ish minutes on each topic, um, and just sort of give like a few random thoughts that I have on each one of these things. Like you know, so I have no idea how this is going to go. I'm hoping this is going to get done in one take, but we'll see um, because. Sometimes that's not how it goes. But that being said, let's just get into it. So the first topic, I the first thing I want to sort of hit on tonight for a few minutes is, frankly, the PS Portal. Um, now, for those who aren't aware of what this is, it's a streaming device. It's similar to, it's, it's a dedicated streaming device that syncs up with a PlayStation 5. And um, there's been a little bit of, in, in, in some circles, there's been a little bit of, hubbub hullabaloo kind of like some fussing about it because it's a dedicated streaming device that you can't really take outside of your home which to me is kind of silly i've i've seen some reports where somebody took one uh to a dunkin donuts and then was mad because it the 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 portal doesn't have a web browser to access um like public wi-fi spots like that you know because like a lot of these places like dunkin donuts and starbucks and whatever they they have wi-fi in the in the building but you have to sign on through the internet and um you know to me that's just that's silly um and frankly i think that's uh, you're not going to get a good performance one it's it's a public network uh and even with awesome like personal internet and everything else there's just going to be way too much latency and lag and that's just a, that's a bad use case but um here's the thing is like full disclosure and some of you guys probably know this some of you might not and some of you may not even care i from the almost from the get-go uh i've been excited about the playstation portal pretty much since its announcement uh, i got a backbone a while ago and i really liked my backbone but the the problem was uh you know the phone screen is it's a little small ish but it's 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 decent i didn't have the the haptics which you know aren't necessary but they're a nice kind of uh bonus the the backbone format isn't the 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 stick placement is offset and i i kind of like actually sony's both the sticks being on the bottom, that's kind of how I'm used to playing. Um, it, it, the backbone's fine. I still like it. I haven't got rid of mine yet. Um, probably not going to anytime soon. I, I like it. Um, I think for games that I play on my phone, it's it's it, that have a control option. It's a great like the backbone is is a chef kiss. It's it's really great to have. Um, but the portal is sort of the upgraded version of that, and essentially it is kind of like a dual sense controller. Uh, split in half with a screen in the middle of it. Um, and for like, it's got the haptics, it's got 
and 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 I've got to just be honest. I'm absolutely tickled by that thing. Like, and you, you know, I think the, the, one of the biggest criticisms I've heard, or one of the the things I sort of see floating around all the time, is like, who is this for? Well, I think I have an answer. Okay, and, and there are a couple prongs. This. Um, it's for a lot of people because apparently this thing has sold out uh, in just about every market it's been made available to. Um, and when I was online, and a lot of times I would see that question, like people would be like, who's this for? It's, it's, you can't even go anywhere with it. And I'm like, I would see, and before I even had an opportunity to respond, be like, it's for people like me, people who have wives and children who take over the TV. And it's not, not a bad thing. Like it's not, oh, they take over the TV, but it's like, now I have a, a a better option to play Destiny 2 or Returnal, or I can play my PS5 and they can my my son can watch Miss Rachel or whatever Mickey show he's into or whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's ideal for me. And and it's not to say like I don't know if this is the end of it. I think that I have some theories, and at some point in time I may expound on some of them. Um but I think like this thing is really cool. And I was actually talking to a coworker and I mentioned the fact that I have the portal. He asked me about it. I told him about it and he said, that sounds exactly what I'm like, exactly what I'm looking for. Um, because he's in a similar situation, his wife and his kids, they, they don't have like multiple TVs or setups around the house, you know? And it's like, Hey, it's there. And I think there are a lot of gamer dads out there who are like this, this is for me. Um, and so, and, and, you know, some of the, some of the commentary I've heard is basically like to the, the other side of it is that this is just, it's, I don't think this is meant to like, you know, create any sort of like mad rush or dash or anything. I think this is more of an access, like, you know, I think Colin Moriarty over at Last Damn Media said that the way that he kind of looks at it is it, it's an access, it's an access device. that sort of just like keeps, keeps you sort of like on the system. And I, I think it's great. I'm not saying that they're, and you know, even going back to like the, the selling out of them, just like touching on that for just a minute here. And I want to wrap this up. I'm not sure that there were millions upon millions of these units sold, but the fact of the matter is that whatever stock they had is pretty much non-existent and non-available. Um, and I think that's a, a, a cool thing. And I, I, I like to see it moving on. Okay. So next Next topic here, and I've got to pull up my notes, such great radio, much wow. I want to take a minute to talk about second wind. And I'm not talking about the terminology that like, hey, you know, like you sort of like you've gone all out and you're just gassed and you sort of get that second wind. Of course, that is kind of what happened. Um, but I want to talk about second wind um, a media group. I don't know really what their official title is, but it's, it's basically the former team, uh, the former escapist video content team. Um, and so if you guys are saying, what is this? Well, the escapists used to host a, well, and used to, this is very recent change. Uh, there was a YouTube short form sort of review show called zero punctuation hosted by Yahtzee or created and, and run by Yahtzee Croshaw. And, um, those, those videos are who I used to love ZP. Um, I kind of fell off for a while just because I appreciate it. Yahtzee's definitely got, uh, he's got an interesting take on everything and I enjoy his commentary. Don't always agree with him, but he's just got a really kind of like funny and very like punchy presentation. 
Anyways, so that was sort of part of the Escapist brand for a while. And the Escapist actually picked up uh, another smaller website team and sort of rolled it into this media machine. And the the editor-in-chief at that point in time was a guy named Nick Calandra. And... You know, he came on board and he had this roadmap and he was actually really like they weren't hitting these massive milestones, but they were showing a, a fair amount of growth. And, um, you know, it's it's a really interesting story. I don't want to like sort of retell it. Basically, he was fired and he was fired for kind of being a good boss and getting in the way of upper management who were frankly probably trying to grow the, the, that department too quickly and just sort of didn't have any idea of what the, their team was really built for and capable of. Um, and there's, and again, um, I, I would recommend uh, Video Game Chronicle did a, an article and an interview with Yahtzee and Nick that I think is really good. Um, you can catch the podcast, uh, the, video, the VGC podcast, and that particular episode on pretty much any podcatcher. Um, you can also sort of just Google Video Game Chronicle second win and there's like i said there's an article that sort of sums it all up there it's a really kind of interesting story the the really super interesting wrinkle is not that nick got fired but that within 24 hours of him being laid off i believe 24 hours of him being fired from his uh, removed from his position the entire video content team including yasi croshaw who is a kind of a big deal in in those spheres like he's the talent all resigned um, and they started up this this sort of new endeavor called second win and um, so that the, and it's like that I think speaks a lot to Nick's character that basically his entire team just like was like no this is this is our guy and if you guys are gonna get rid of him we're gonna sort of like we're gonna stick by our guy and anyways I think that part's really cool the other really kind of interesting wrinkle about that is uh they have they they started a patreon and the the patreon actually got kind of like leaked in a sense it got kicked out way earlier than they they were talking about like there were all sorts of plans and again go listen to that that episode go read the article i think it, like they'll do a way better job of sort of talking about that but i, I want to share something with you and this is like not public or private information this is available on patreon as it currently stands like this this patreon and again full disclosure here i signed on uh as sort of one of the lower tiers just to sort of keep tabs on this thing and because i'm interested and i liked yahtzee and i was just like hey this is kind of cool but um as it stands this this patreon is like a couple weeks old over 16,000 members. Now that's not differentiating between like, because there's free memberships now and there's paid memberships. It's not differentiating between those. Um, and they have their, their financial numbers. Right now they are pulling over $60,000 a month in Patreon subscriptions. Um, so just a massively, massively successful Patreon drive. We'll see how that sort of lands in in the months and years to come. But I just think this is a really cool story. I think it's worth checking out. And I wanted to put kind of a bug in your ear about this. Uh, moving on here. So 
I wanted to talk about the Xbox tax. And I'm this is the one that I'm probably going to struggle with keeping sort of trimmed down the most. And the the thing is this conversation has kind was kind of kicked off by the fact that um with the, the game awards Jeff Keighley's game awards have have you know recently announced the nominations for game of the year and all this other stuff and sort of on Twitter or the the website on X the website formerly known as Twitter there was a lot of kind of outrage and huffing by a lot of disgruntled um, Xbox fanboys who were like Xbox always getting snubbed and I'm not going to be very nice to them because frankly I think their behavior in this whole endeavor specifically targeting a, a, an individual and I'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit is just ridiculous and pathetic and um, I, I'm, I'm going to name a few names here but I'm not going to get too deep in the weeds um, Anyways, so there's this, all of a sudden, there's this talk about the Xbox tax and sort of trying to describe that. It's basically um, the people who are sort of propagating this theory basically say that Xbox, it's kind of like Xbox has to work twice as hard to get half as much credit for like the good things that they do and they can make a banger of a game and everybody's going to poop all over it. Um, like, you know, the, the thing is like, you know, hi-fi rush should have been a game of the year nomination. I have very strong opinions about that. I think hi-fi rush is probably a great game game of the year. Uh, not quite, uh, especially in this year. Um, I'm not going to get into my thoughts on the game of the year list because I think there are, uh, it's at least one weird pick, but Hi-Fi Rush would not make it in even over that pick. Um, but, and and sort of like, and I think the, the reviews for Starfield were one of the things that came up uh, and some of the, the tweets that I was seeing about it. And people were like saying, oh, you know, it's, it's come up like, you know, Xbox just can't get a break from media from IGN and from these other, you know, bigger games media outlets, like, you know, and they have to, you know, and again, they they get snubbed at the game awards and everything like that. Um, and, and, and here's the thing. Um, I don't like a lot of the Xbox media. A lot of the guys in, in games journalism, I, I don't care about games journalism as a general rule. I think most of it is kind of stupid. Um, I think most of the commentary out there is not great. I have a few people that I really like and enjoy, um, and I have a few outlets that I trust. But outside of that, um, anyways, over at IGN, Dustin, Destin Legary, who he's kind of an outspoken Xbox fan. Uh, he's on their Xbox podcast with Ryan McCaffrey. He kind of shills for Xbox a lot of times, in my opinion. And, and it, frankly, that's how I feel a lot of the Xbox media coverage is like the people who are sort of big on Xbox. They just, they can't Xbox can do no wrong with some of these outlets, but Destin has been a little more critical. And this is what I will say is I think that he is sort of entering into a necessary space where he kind of just says sometimes like, Hey, Xbox, this ain't it. Like this is a bad decision. This is a bad policy. We need to sort of move beyond this and move past this. He goes, anyways, sort of moving this story. Uh, 
the 24th. So what was that? Uh, today's the 27th. So it was last week, like last Friday or Saturday. He basically had a, a video. He throws out a, a video because he does like the YouTube stuff, right? And he throws out this video and it's basically called the Xbox tax isn't real. And he tweets out, y'all, we've got to talk about the Xbox tax nonsense. I talk about why I think the sentiment is a bit ridiculous here. And I watched some of that video. I thought, it was fine. It sounded pretty reasonable to me. And I think a lot of his tweets just sort of explaining his position made a lot of sense. Um, what I think the the overall problem is that, um, and this is not necessarily what Destin put forward entirely. I think this might be some of that, but I think the problem is that Microsoft has so consistently mismanaged its brand and its games and its its studios and its properties for so long um, that and 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 frankly, I think the fandom there on that on that side of the the the, the sort of fence or sphere or whatever you want, like, kind of gives them a bit of a pass. And I think there's kind of like almost like a Stockholm syndrome scenario kind of going on where xbox fans are so used to for the most part mid-tier games that they don't really know what great games are anymore um i don't know that's the most co that's the most coherent reason i can come up with but i think you know and there was a, a meme that i came across that actually sort of sums up how i feel about this this whole thing in general um and I and again, this is such great radio. You guys are going like, "Wow, this is amazing!" What are you doing here, Nate? But it's that meme where the like the guy has he's on his bike and he has the stick, and then he jams the stick into his tire and he falls on the ground. And he so they're sort of like, and you know, it's the the kind of the self inflicted wound thing. But it's it's in the first panel, it's got the guy with the stick and he's riding his bike and it says Xbox. And the, the second panel where he's jamming the stick into the spokes, it says years of broken promises and failing to compete, leading to an overall public and media preference towards its competitors. And then it, the third panel shows him like the guy on the ground holding his knee, kind of screeching. And it says Xbox tax is real. And I think that's the problem is that Xbox's complete underperformance in the last 10 to 15 years has basically put it in a position where, yeah, the Nintendo and Sony are going to get the benefit of the doubt because they put out bangers and they don't stumble the way Xbox has with consistency. And I think the first step to fixing that problem is the calling it what it is. And this is what I will say is like, and again, I don't want anybody listening to this, this little bit here, to think that I want Xbox to fail. I want them to be strong. I want them to be a threat. I want them to, to make Sony a little scared from time to time. And not just because they can throw around more money than everybody else, but because they, they are legitimate threats. And they're, they're making bangers of games. They're making games that threaten, that keep Sony on their toes. And I th they have the studios and the talent and the money to do it. So I think what needs to happen is that Microsoft needs to stop buying all sorts of crap, figure out how to play with their toys, and start really hammering out great games. Like, And that's, that's when. And they'll have to do that for a while to sort of come out of that hole. Okay? 
Anyways, so Destin, the, the thing that I, I wanted to touch on too, and I'm only going to take another a couple more minutes here. The thing that I wanted to touch on is Destin's the reaction in the Xbox community. People went after him hard. And there was an individual, this dude on 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 Twitter, on X, whatever, I'm I'm 90% sure that his Twitter handle was Crap Gamer. And he just kept like posting these weird, like, I have receipts. And he would show like these reasons why the Xbox tax was real. And it's like he's using like 10-year-old, 10-year-old articles and screenshots to show like, oh, like, you know, there's this bias against this unfair bias against Xbox. Frankly, and just like I said, the way that people went after uh, Destin, and again, I don't always like what Destin has to say, but the way that people went after him was ridiculous and childish. And frankly, like what I would say is Xbox community, you need more guys like Destin who are going to hold Microsoft and Xbox games, like the Xbox game brands, like those, those people's feet to the fire. Um, you need that. You need a little bit of antagonism. And this is a dude who loves the brand, loves the games. He's been an Xbox fan for years. He just wants to see them do well. And I think that that's how, the way we get it is by sort of holding people's feet to the fire. The last thing I kind of want to talk about, and again, if you want to see some of the, 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 the crap storm that was that, uh, Destin, uh, his, it's just, uh, it's at, D-E-S-T-I-N-L-E-G-A-R-I-E. Um, yeah, it's, I, I thought it was a reasonable take. Okay, moving on. Last little bit here, and I'm going to be pretty quick on this. Uh, within the last week, uh, The Last of Us Part 2 Remastered was, a remake was announced. I don't know what they're calling this thing anymore. And I have to be honest, like when I first heard this, I just, there were two reactions, uh, probably equal, uh, not opposite, but one was like, who asked for this? Like who, who really, really asked like, Hey, we, we just, you just made this game. It's not, it's not even like two or three years old. It's not, it's not even five years old at this point in time. There's zero need for a remake or a remaster of any sort. Like, honestly, just Patching an upgrade, you know, like, I don't know. Um, and at first, like, like I said, so there was that reaction where I was like, what is going on here? The other reaction, which is sort of not opposite, but I was like, also like, who, who cares? Who, like, why should I be concerned? Like, why, why, why is this even news kind of thing? Um, like, why is this even like being announced? And then I did some reading and, uh, over on the PlayStation blog, they, there's, there's actually some details about this and basically there's all sorts of goodies here. And I, I've got a, my, my hot link didn't work and that makes me really mad. Um, Daggone it. But the, like, it's basically a director's cut. So not only is this going to be a, um, just a PS5 like native version with like better performance options and, and better textures and rendering and all other stuff. There's like legitimately they're, they're putting back in, they're not, they're adding like ways for the, the, the consumer, the, the players to engage with like content that had been cut. 
Um, you know, and it's probably just going to be like gray box stuff where it's just like, it's going to be real rough, but you'll maybe have seen some of the levels and set pieces that they were going to pull out or that they did pull out uh, that were originally going to be included. There's going to be commentary. There's a lot of actually like really kind of like cool stuff that's going to be added in. And my thoughts on this, and, and the reason I wanted to talk about this for a minute is that Sony has, has I think, struggled uh, one of the ways that I think they've struggled is, uh, especially with the upgrade, the Horizon uh, upgrades, like the Horizon Zero Dawn sort of thing, and and the just even the the path forward from like the PS4 version of Horizon Forbidden West and the PS5 version, and the, there was that whole sort of mess around like the free upgrade path and everything else like that. I think that this is a really great path forward for Sony first-party studios being moved from last-gen into current-gen, okay? And and I think it's sort of the prototype of this, and maybe they intended it this way or maybe not, but was the Ghost of Tsushima, Iki Island sort of director's cut version, where it was like, I think, 20 bucks to upgrade from the base version, base PS4 version to the director's cut and get the the Iki Island content in addition to that or whatever I and honestly I think they probably could have charged twenty bucks for this director's content or this director's cut sort of version of The Last of Us Part Two Do I think it needs to be made Absolutely not I've never played The Last of Us Part Two Probably not going to get around to it anytime soon I'm, I'm not saying I'm never going to get to it I'm just saying it's it's not super high on my list of things to do But I like this. I like this a lot, and I think that this is the way forward for a lot of this stuff. Obviously, if developers and publishers want to just sort of like patch in like next-gen sort of upgrades and stuff like that, that's fine. But I think that this is a reasonable path forward um, to saying like, hey, we're going to give you a shinier, prettier, better version of the, the game you already own, and instead of having to buy it for 60 bucks all over again, like, hey, here's, you know, plop down 10 bucks and, and you're off to the races. And I think for people who are just getting in, who might want to check it out, and they're going to be able to check out the best possible version of the game. And I'm, I'm like, I don't have a problem with that. I think that's pretty cool. Um, anyways, I just, like I said, I think that's a great path forward. I hope that that's something that PlayStation does more of in the future, that when they sort of bring back, like when they, they've talked about the Horizon Zero Dawn remaster, do it that way. Say like, hey, if you own Horizon Zero Dawn for PlayStation 4, 10 bucks gets you the PS5 version and you get some like, or 20 bucks gets you the PS5 version with all the performance upgrades and upticks and you get like these cool like, like blooper sort of extra like stuff off the cutting room floor kind of stuff. I think that's a really cool idea. I want to see them do more of that. And I think that that adds a lot of value. Um, oh, oh, but yeah. So uh, that's all I've got, guys. And actually, I'm really stoked as to how this went. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, I hope you enjoyed this. Because I had a pretty good time coming here, just firing from the hip. And I, I think it went pretty well. So. This is this is it. This has been a bite size guys. I'm Nate and you know, until next time do the things and uh, yeah, be good. I'll catch you later.
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Backlog Breakdown. If you want to join in the conversation, you can email us at thebacklogbreakdown at gmail.com or join our Facebook group, The Backlog Book Club, on Facebook. And on Twitter, our handle is at BBDownCast. Of course, you can also catch Nate and I on our social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, and the GG app. I go by Broccolope, that's spelled B-R-O-C-C-O-L-O-P-E, and Nate goes by Nate underscore McKeever. Till next time, loggers, you keep beating down those backlogs, and we'll keep breaking down the benefits. 